0: Welcome to the CRE with Cobalt Banker Commercial Worldwide Podcast. This is your host for today, Tom Hershey from CBC with my guest, Dan Wagner. Today we're going to discuss Delaware Statutory Trust. Now, Dan is Senior Vice President of Government Relations for the Inland Real Estate Group of Companies. He's been a licensed real estate broker since 2004 and holds Series 7 and Series 63 securities license. Today, he's going to talk about something which you may or may not be uh, familiar with, and that's the Delaware Statutory Trust. So we've asked Dan to join us. To fill us in on exactly what DSTs are and how DSTs function in both the real estate and securities worlds. Dan, thanks for joining us. This is a great topic, um, and one about which I'm I'm thrilled to learn more. I know a little, and I'm sure many of our listeners do as well, but it's often confusing. So hopefully you can clarify what these vehicles are and how they work. So let's get started. Um, how about you kick us off by telling us a little more about exactly what you do and what your company, the Inland Real Estate Group of Companies, does.
1: Well, Tom, I just first of all want to say thank you uh, for uh, this opportunity and thank you to uh, Caldwell Baker. What an g- incredible organization. I'm honored to, uh, to be able to be with you today. Um, I know that uh, my good friend Ayub from uh, Chicago area is a uh, good friend, and uh, and is doing a terrific job in our Chicago area, and we appreciate everything that Caldwell Banker does for our commercial real estate industry as a whole. But the uh, it's great to be your guest. I'm here to, working for the Inland Real Estate Group of Companies, which is in Oakbrook, Illinois. That's our world headquarters. We were founded by four Chicago public school teachers. Those Chicago public school teachers, uh, they were Um, working really hard, making $5,500 a year, and they said, boy, we need to make some more money for our family, and they decided to get other Chicago public school teachers to give them money to invest, and they did that uh, so well that they left teaching, and they just uh, went to the stratosphere and got up to 42,000 apartments in Chicago, largest landlord of Chicago. They did that with limited partnerships, and in the 80s, the tax laws changed, and some of those deals were underwater, so they would not let their fellow teachers and family and friends go um, be underwater, so they put their money back in the company. They went to Walmart, and they said, hey, Walmart, will you do sell leasebacks with us? And Walmart never did before, and they said, sure, we'll give it a try with you guys. You have an interesting story. And then at the same time, they went to Treasury, and they said, hey, Treasury, can we 1031 exchange these people that are in these underwater deals into a fractional share interest of the Walmarts? And they said, you're going to save these people and take the bad stuff? Yeah, that's great. So they did that, and that I think that's what really launched Inland into the stratosphere where we have been in business for over fifty three years. And uh, last week, uh, Inland purchased its fifty billionth piece of commercial real estate. And so uh, that's uh, the company is is very diverse. It's very um, we bought it in every state except Alaska. Uh, but the uh, the interesting thing is that my uh, my boss uh, Dan Goodwin, who's the chairman and CEO of the Inland Real Estate Group, he basically said he doesn't want government to happen to them again. Um, they want to you know have like a canary in the coal mine to be aware of what's going on from a legislative and regulatory standpoint. So my position got created on the second person in that position, and what my job is is basically to work with our associations. And one of the most powerful organizations that Inland's involved with is the National. Association of Realtors. And so we're super involved um, with the, the realtor world. And the uh, the, the RPAC and uh, the power of R is amazing. And so we've been working hard to um, save the 1031, the last uh, couple of go-arounds here in Washington. And we've been working uh, hand in glove with the realtors and with uh, RPAC. And we appreciate uh, everybody who is uh, a realtor member because your dues are going to uh, good causes with. The, the government relations stuff that Shannon McGann runs there is, uh, is just brilliant.
0: Excellent. So let's talk about DSTs. Uh, you talked a little bit about the, the group doing 1031 exchanges. So how did DSTs come to fruition? What was the the factor that created them?
1: Well, I, you know, it's, it's fun working for really smart people. And so, uh, you know, Dan Goodwin has a lot of, uh, and, the, and the three other uh, Founders or teachers. They, these teachers are, are really smart. They are really creative, and when they saw the power of the 1031 and what that does, where you're able to use pre-tax dollars and invest in real estate, it just really you know, grows your your investment so well that they they got involved. Besides the the non-traded REIT world and uh, and other land funds and things like that, they got involved with uh, tenant in common uh, investing through the 1031s. And the problem with the ticks. Is the uh, compared to uh, what they were writing into is that when you have a tick, you have um, up to thirty five investors, and those investors all have to agree on everything. and so you have one rogue investor that can just bollocks up the works and it doesn't it's not an efficient way to run uh, to run an investment um, so what uh, what Mr. Goodwin and worked with lawyers and with the industry and created the thing called the Delaware statutory trust ten thirty one likecount exchange and that is just it's been you know going from you know a, a one engine plane to um you know, to the the, the stealth uh, bomber i mean it's, it's it's pretty amazing to see the total difference um You have, like with TIC, you have 35 investors. With a Delaware Statutory Trust, you have 1,999. So the minimums are more reasonable and you get into bigger uh, properties. So Inland will go and buy a $130 million apartment building, which obviously most people can't do or 35 people couldn't do. And you're able to get, uh, you you have the minimum of about $100,000 can go into it. And so you're at a really high level of, Commercial real estate property, um, and it's and the other cool thing is that it's managed uh, 100% by like Inland, and <clears throat> we've had f- over 50 some years in the business of managing real estate. So clearly, we know uh, how to to make things happen. Uh, we do our best at uh, figuring out the the ways that um, is going to get the the biggest bang for the buck. Um, but but to start off with um, the the DST. The, that's a big deal as far as the the minimums of what you can go into, and then it gets you into a higher uh, point, price point for property. The other thing is is that the uh, the loans um, on a tick uh, are recourse back to the investor with a the DST; they're non-recourse. And if there's a capital call, there's no capital calls with DSTs, but there could be capital calls with ticks. And when you get into a DST that you, you really have to have everything baked into the cake. So um, we are so good at doing um, due diligence on property because of all the experience we have that our acquisitions that's run by Joe Casenza just um, is is something that's amazing to see. They, they just really know what to do and they are able to go in and, and figure out the the roofs that need to be fixed in 10 years from now or five years from now. And um, they're able to uh, put, to put all of that into a fund to be able to to be able to fix to fix whatever might come down the road, and so that's why it's very conservative when you um, go and buy a DST product because it's going to be something that's going to be um, really a, a solid piece of real estate because you're not able to um, to re, uh, remortgage the property. You can't go out and get another loan on the property. It's all just, uh, it's going to be usually uh, a a class A apartment complex or something like that, something that's really well put together. So the DST also, um, besides being managed uh, well um, by professionals, um, Inland basically uh, decides when uh, the, the, the property can be sold. So it doesn't have to have a vote of all the investors, which is another wonderful thing. And then um, w- the depreciation can be passed through to uh, all the investors, too. And that adds some interesting aspects because you're able to um, take the the, the the depreciation and you can work with your accountants and you can shelter your income. And it, it, that's a good thing. The other thing you do is when you do a 1031, you have to um, equal the debt. And so we have different debt structures on each of our deals. And uh, that's been a phenomenal thing. So the DST is really just one of the the best ways that that folks can invest um, in real estate. But um, the two aspects of the DST that people need to be aware of. One, you have to be an accredited investor. An accredited investor means that you have to have a million dollars of net assets besides your home where you live. Or you make $250,000 a year as an individual or $300,000 as a couple. Um, the second thing is it's not liquid. There's no secondary market for these. And so once you get into it, it's, you know, you're in it. You're not going to be able to, to get out of, of that. There's always a possibility, but in general, we just highlight this. That it's very difficult to get out. So it's just, it's not liquid. So those are the two aspects that people need to be aware of.
0: So. Are there certain back to your property uh, type? You said Class A apartment buildings. Are there certain property types that work for DSTs and certain property types that don't? I mean, can you do land? Can you do hotels, or does it have to be multifamily?
1: No, you don't. No, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to give that impression. You could do you could do a variety of of the different uh, food product types. <laughs> you, can, you know, we have um, Amazon buildings, um, warehousing, um, the last mile kind of warehouse stuff. We have um, self-storage that are are really um, high-end self-storage. You have uh, hotels, um, grocery anchor, shopping centers, you know, things like that. But what my point is, is that, you're not able to refinance uh, with a DST, so you're going to get really high quality properties that um, that that you're not buying something that's going to be dilapidated, that's going to get need a big remodel. It's got to be you know ready to go, and then you have to be able to bake into it um, precautions of knowing that when your engineering reports come back with your due diligence, that it might say and you know two years from now you got to fix xyz so there's you've you already put the funds together uh to be able to take care of that so uh, it's just being aware of the the building and know that um it's got to be a, a high uh, you know high caliber uh, piece of property is my point
0: gotcha that brings up uh, a slew of other questions one so you talk about the properties so were these single asset entities or are they multi-asset entities? Is it just looking at, you know, if I'm investing a hundred grand, is that just going towards one high quality property or is it a portfolio of properties? So that,
1: that's a good question. A lot of people say, well, how is this different than a REIT? Well, th- so this is going to be a place that you're able to go. It, it's like a, a single property is obviously typical of a DST, but you can have in a DST uh, more than just one property, but it's, uh, it could, it's not going to be uh, you know, different types of properties. It'll be a couple different, um, in different areas, uh, like, a self-storage, or you might have, um, you know, your, your warehouse building it. Again, if it's a $150 million deal, it's going to be you know, usually its own, its own, uh, property, but you, you can get smaller deals into it. Um, but you're, and you could have multiple properties. But you're not going to make it into like a reed. It's going to be uh, more of a, a of a of a of a group of of something that's together. And uh, the cool thing with these DSCs is that they're not in any just one area. You, you know, we have them in Texas and in Tennessee and you know all around the country. And you're able to uh, be diverse and not put all your eggs in one basket of, of the country if there's a downturn in that you know certain region or whatever. So that's another good thing about them
0: so they're not uh just in Delaware they're everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, the right, right, right. <laughs> uh okay, so you said your your firm manages the asset. Um so that was going to be one of my questions, but then is running the property normal? I mean, if you know, it's a class A office building and all of a sudden you have, you know, a large tenant moves out, is is everything handled like, you know, get a broker, you lease it up, you get the TI's done, is that all? handled normally and planned for ahead of time when yes. looking at the asset okay
1: it is and it'll at inland uh, at this moment we uh, we're not looking at we haven't purchased office for a while um if we do office it's usually like medical office but um we uh we, you know when we manage these things we're we know uh it's, it's uh, our experience and and managing and sometimes like with the um with the self-storage we have uh, another firm that would manage that for us but uh when it comes to uh basically the other properties we're able to use all of our experience with that and um the dst is been uh it's been really beneficial to so many different types of uh, of people so uh brokers uh love using dsts because it's especially now it's so hard to find something for people to go into that uh, that a DST is all ready to go, and you know, company like Inland, we we have the wherewithal to be able to go and purchase the uh, the property all, and so we we purchase it and we close it, and so the whole the whole deal is done. And as you know, when just to remind everybody, when you do a 1031, you have uh, you know 45 days to uh, to identify a property, um, 180 days to close the whole thing. And it's difficult to be able to find something uh, that your your client can go into, but uh, the DST is is right there. And I will highlight to you that um, Inland is just is one of the sponsors of DSTs. There's other sponsors out there, but we you know you can't just come up to Dan Wagner and say, hey, can I can, can I buy a DST from you? Um, because since we're the sponsor. You have to use a financial advisor and who who is not a member of Inland's team. They're just they're separate and they have a fiduciary responsibility to do the best thing for their client. And so they'll help evaluate your portfolio, figure out what's the best thing for you, and then figure out what's, uh, you know, what, what would be a good DST to go into. And, uh, and people a lot of times work with their CPAs, and, but the financial advisor talks to them, this, the, the, the real estate broker talks to them. But there's a variety of reasons why uh, realtors like DSTs too.
0: I want to come back to that, but the first thing I want, I want to go back to one of the things you said, and that is um, talking about the longevity of the DST, you had mentioned that when you get into it, um, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask is, okay, so I'm investing into a DST and I want to get out. Um, And I remember you saying previously, you can't get out. So what is the life cycle? Is this, you know, how long is, is the typical life cycle for a DST?
1: Well, the the longest uh, you know it used to be ten years. Now it's between like five and six years of a DST. It's the the company like Inland, um, you, the the product the sponsor is uh, determines when the best time in the market is to sell. And I believe um, one of our deals in the past we bought um, grocery stores, the grocery shopping centers that were so hot that within 2 years they actually uh, inland had just such a great deal uh that they knew they'd never get a better price they sold them so those those investors were like wow they and they got a you know really good return um so you know the and with returns i always have to be careful to say returns are not guaranteed um you know every every deal is different and with uh, you know, with my Series Seven and my Series sixty three securities license, it's imperative that I we highlight that every chance we get that this is a security, and it's it uh, really important that you don't get in, you don't you know get ahead of your skis and get into something that you and your client can't afford and and know about, especially with being non liquid. You got to you know you got to know what you're going into. But for the right people, um, these have worked out really well and. Um, you know, you can imagine, boy, people that uh, are farmers, or uh, they're they're tired of the toilets, trash, and tenants, or they're wanting to re- or looking to retire. Uh, this certainly is an exciting way to monetize uh, an investment and to uh, to be able to cash out in a in a positive way. Um, in in general, it's not guaranteed again, but it's been a, a great way for people to um, to invest their go from an active investment to passive investment
0: so that brings up another question which i think i know the answer to and that is uh, again i'm the guy i put in my you know 100 grand can i make additional contributions or am i limited to just that one time purchase for that particular dst
1: well so it's it's a 1031 so it's it's clearly you could if the if the product if the if there's more product available, if, you know, more shares available. And, and of course, you can, you can do that. But um, honestly, um, it's difficult for us to keep these products on the shelf, so to speak, because the demand is so high. And so the, what you do is you work with your financial advisor, and you uh, identify you're going to be you know, selling your property at a certain period of time. And you work, um, and I forgot to highlight this. You have to work with a qualified intermediary, a QI. That's uh, that, that's who holds your money. So um, you can't cl- you you, you got to do this stuff before you close. You can't close and say, oh, I'm going to go into a DSC. You have to be able to have everything all worked out. And so you want to start working with your qualified intermediary and your financial advisor and your broker, uh, you know, very early on to be able to you know, get get a handle on what you have to do and then there can be a reservation put in for X amount of dollars that your client is going to be needing to put to uh, put their money into but um, but certainly if if uh, there's product available in that same product and your client sells another piece you could you know, go into it, but it, it, you, you're not conglomerating it together. It, it's separated because it's all its own okay. standalone 1031 deal because it, it's a it's, uh, be it a 1031. That's what you have to do.
0: Okay. So let, let's then talk a little bit about the mechanics. I mean, one of my questions is, okay, so who handles this? You mentioned a financial advisor, um, but then you just talked about uh, qualified intermediaries. So I'm getting ready to sell, you know, an asset that I've, had very long time, low base cost basis, and it's going to come out with, with you know, a fair amount of cash, and this really interests me as an investor. So what do I do? How do I find the DST? Who do I contact first? Uh, you know, do I use the title? I, I'm obviously using a title company on the sale of my asset. Uh, walk me through the mechanics sure the
1: the most probably the most important person um but not not probably the most important person in working with a, when you're talking about a 1031 is your qualified intermediary these folks this is all they do um day in and day out and so they are going to know every aspect of a 10. you know how to deal with a 1031 deal so you work with a qualified intermediary reputable reputable one that um that you, you verify that they are bonded and you know that they're these are, are reputable people that uh, do many of these because anybody can be a qualified intermediary and there's some you know horrible stories of people upscouting you know, taking the money and running and so you want to really get a good reputable company and then um, with your financial advisor you have to. Um, Talk to you know your your the your, you have to go to the, your financial advisor and talk to them about the DST products that are available and they have the opportunity to um, know where they would do that at and uh, again it's not an inland staff person it's uh, it's a separate third party that um, is in charge of evaluating your portfolio and know that this is the best thing and they verify that you're, you're you you uh, have the assets that you're accredited investor and. Then once that's done, then the qualified intermediary will work with your financial advisor, and they will get uh, the exact property description for because, because in general, uh, people are going to use the three property rule. There's also the 200% rule, and 95% rule, and that gets you know, really complicated. But um, but the easiest one to talk about is the three property rule, and you you put down, you identify you know a couple of different DSTs you can go into and uh and that's you know that's what you do then once everything's all set, the property your property sold the buddy goes to the qualified intermediary, the qualified intermediary then sends it to um to in to uh, to inland because it's already been identified, and then you start getting your um your whole, you know everything goes right, you get your monthly check and uh it all you know everything just is, is is hopefully smooth sailing, but it's not guaranteed. I always have to say that. But it, it uh, in general that's that's the easiest way how it works there's other thing that happens is that some people um, will say boy I want to go into another piece of property but they actually have money left over that's called boot and people don't want to have to spend the taxes the tax money so they will um, want to go into a DST for they call it their scraps so if you say you have you know a million two hundred thousand and you buy another Replacement of a property for a million. Well, you can put that two hundred thousand, if you qualify, into a DST, and then you and, and people love doing that as well. So there's you know, the different aspects to it. So you don't have to put all the money into it. But again, whatever you don't put into a uh, your second property, then you'll be, be charged the taxes and. You know, most people want it to um, to save and and not go into that. So we call you know the ten thirty one is is kind of like the four hundred one k of real estate. You're able to grow your portfolio, and then and then when you sell everything, then you can pay your taxes on that. But it's a wonderful tax tool.
0: So um, you know, speaking about the three property rule. Um let's say I can only, you know, I only find two properties on the open market. You know, I find an apartment building I like, I find an office building I like, and I'm worried that, you know, maybe I'm not, maybe the deals are gonna fall apart. You know, I'm not sure the condition, haven't done my walkthroughs, all that kind of stuff. Can I identify a DST as kind of like an insurance policy? absolutely and we
1: and that's i was just going to highlight that i went to the texas association of realtors a couple of years ago and i did my dst presentation and a guy comes up to me afterwards he's like oh my gosh i wish i knew about this because i lost my best friend and i'm like oh my god did he die he's like no no i was his broker and i had uh his ranch for sale we sold it for like 15 million dollars and the deal we were going to go into um I only identified one piece of property because it was a sure thing. And then at the last second it blew up and my friend ended up having to pay like $4 million in taxes. And he's no longer my friend. And so (laughs) if he were to, if he, I mean, it's just so, it's so simple. It doesn't cost you a dime, but you have to do it right. And your qualified intermediary will know how to put the, the, how to, to spell out what you, you just can't write DST. There's, you know, certain property requirements you have to list and it's, Phenomenal and people are very grateful when they do it and your clients, they think you're brilliant because you saved them and you know, that's, that's a big deal and, uh, and realtors, um, and brokers, you know, they, they gotta be aware that this, this is a tool for them because this isn't for everybody, but for some people it's phenomenal. And, you know, we can get into, um, the benefits to realtors and, um, and what they need to know about it too.
0: Um, I would like to do that. First thing, I got to circle back to something you had said earlier. Um, you were talking about, you know, that the life cycle of the deal is, you know, five years, seven years. So what if, you know, I've got, you know, whatever it is, whether it was the initial 100000 or where it was more than that, whatever the case may be, um, and the value of the asset increased, you know, a ton uh when the property is sold when the dst sells the asset um can i do a 1031 into an individual asset for just me do i need to stay in a dst can i you know buy another one or do i need to pay uh pay the taxes and and suck it up no
1: it's it's really it's it's uh it's wonderful because you have so many options so um, when the life cycle of the DSC you know goes through and you and it's it's finished inland decides it's time to sell it's the best time for the market um, when we sell um, and you'll figure out you know do you need the cash and so you might say i'm going to get the cash and then once you take the cash you uh pay uncle sam and you know the taxes and depreciation recapture and you know all that um you you pay that or you 're able to uh, to take that and 1031 into you, you know, maybe you have a dream of wanting to purchase a, a housing a apartment complex or whatever it is I mean you can plow it into a, a, into another piece of property um, through a 1031 or uh, you can 1031 again into another DST and you can keep you know doing that and doing that um, at this moment um, with the stepped up basis uh, when you die your heirs get it with the stepped- up basis so then the you know, then the tax, uh, the heirs get it without uh, having to worry about paying the taxes on it. So that's a, a great benefit to your heirs at this at this time, because stepped up a basis is still part of our tax code. So that's a, a big benefit for people when they are doing retirement
0: planning as well. Um, you may not know the answer to this question, but it came up on a call not too long ago, just uh, regarding 1031 exchanges. Somebody brought up, a ten thirty three exchange for eminent domain. So if I have a property that the government has exercised eminent domain, and I am, I'm, you know, going into a ten thirty three, am I able to do that into a DST? Yes. <laughs> Simply put, I like it. Okay, so let's <laughs> talk about brokers. Um, yeah. First of all, how do brokers get paid, and and more importantly. We talked about one of the benefits you met referencing the gentleman in Texas that lost his friend. But, you know, why would a broker recommend, you know, I'm a commercial real estate broker. Why would I recommend this to my client?
1: That is a that is obviously the, the big question, because everybody has to pay their bills. <laughs> and so how do you, this is your business. How do you make money? So um, with, the, with the Delaware Century Trust, it's important for brokers to know that if they don't have their securities license held by another, a brokerage company, then they're not able to get a, a commission on this. There's no referral fee or anything like that. Um, there, People have looked into seeing if there's a, a marketing fee that can be paid, but at this time that that's, you know, not necessarily the case so people do not get a fee so you're like well my god (laughs) great why am i going to do it so that's where it comes into play a couple things one um you want to be able to work with a client to get off the sidelines so what i mean by that is that there was this couple in Manhattan who owned a deli and the deli um was the whole lifeblood of this elderly couple to make the, you know their their payments in life. Uh, this was their sole income was making sandwiches, and they were going to do that till the day they died. But they own the building, and it was a very you know high piece of, of expensive property in, in Manhattan. It was all paid off, and they would never be able to sell it because they'd have to be, they'd be killed in capital gains. So a realtor was able to be aware that this is an opportunity. Um, to be able to get them to help them, most importantly, because that's what we always do when we're you know when we're in business, we want to help people. And then it the realtor understood that this is the, the, also they're going to get a commission that they never would have gotten before. So the only way that the this elderly couple got off the sidelines to be able to put their property up for sale was because of the Delaware Statutory trust. So <clears throat> it was the tool that this realtor used to help these people. and then, because of the tool, it actually helped the realtor get a commission because they would never have gotten one. And this elderly couple, you know, started crying when they realized this because it was their way out. This is the way that they could, you know, they're going to make more more money than they've ever had before and it worked out really well for this for them so getting people off the sideline is a big thing for realtors the second one like we talked about before it's an insurance policy you, you always want to put this down as a uh, as the um, number two or number three piece of property it's it's so impossible for everybody so busy for for the, a realtor to be able to get um, to do a due diligence on another parcel like we do would be it be just it's just almost impossible for somebody to spend as much time as we we do on this, and then the financial advisor's firm also does due diligence on the property as well. So you really get the boot and the the uh, belt suspenders of uh, due diligence on a property. Um, and, so, and the other aspect is um, you know we talked about the idea of the insurance policy. We talked about getting somebody off the sideline, and uh, and you know realtors uh, also have. For boot, for they call it the scraps, again, you look really great to your client when you, if you go into a second property and there's money left over, not many people want to pay Uncle Sam, you know, a third of, basically a third of the, of the money. So um, they will be able to do a DST for the, whatever's left over, if it's, you know, a hundred thousand, if it's 300,000, whatever it is. And then the, that your client loves you for being able to know that you're going to be able to make uh, this. This is going to be monthly income for them, and and they'll love that. So those are a couple of different aspects. Now some some brokers really get into this so much that they actually say, yeah, I'm going to get my securities license. And then uh, once they get their securities license, and then they're able to uh, to to get a commission like uh, like anybody else. So some realtors I know um, they will sell the property. For the individual, and uh, they get a commission on that, and then they put them in a DST, and they get a commission on that. And can you imagine already having all of the due diligence done on a property that you don't have to worry? I mean, how many people worry at the last second that they don't have the second their second property? And especially now with cap rates so compressed, it's hard to find something good to go into. Or um, we spoke, uh, I spoke to the Beverly Hills Association of Realtors uh, not too long ago, and they talked about how it's so impossible for people to go sell their commercial piece of property you know like an apartment building or whatever it is in California and then to be able to find something in California to be able to go into right, right. And it's hard when you're a realtor to be able to know what's going you know where you know there's a an office or an apartment building in Tennessee well how are you going to do the due diligence on that well the DSC's is already done for you so again it's a, an opportunity to get somebody off the sideline um, to be able to uh to the, then you can sell their property. So it's it's a really great tool, but again, it's not for everybody. Um, you have to be a credit investor. You have to be able to handle the the money going to be there for six to you know six to seven years or whatever it is. Um, but that's the it, it once once it clicks for people and they understand it, they love it, and the this has made uh, all the difference. I know of, I know of a broker who's actually making more money now doing DST work that he did as a broker and as a real estate broker. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it uh, seems to be the age old quandary. Hey, I, I would love to sell, you know, we've got all this equity in this, uh, you know, property that we've owned and we just, we don't know what to buy. We don't have anything to buy. We can't find anything. You know, we don't want to own, like you said, we don't want to own a building in, uh, you know, the middle of nowhere in in Texas or Tennessee. We want to stay here in California. Um, so yeah, I can see that, that uh, being a great tool for that. So, and younger investors,
1: to, younger investors want to be able to manage property too. So if, if you're, you know, just out of college and you have uh, a nest egg that you're able to work with and, Um, You know, that's how people grow their wealth and, um, you know, DST, is it going to be for somebody like that? This is, uh, this is for folks usually at the end of their career when they're like, like I'm tired of this. I got I don't want to be a farmer anymore. But no one. No one says they don't want to be a farmer anymore. I've learned that everybody wants. No one wants to sell their farmland because it's been in their family for years. But eventually, the farmer is going to have kids that are going to say, "We don't want to do this, and we don't want to tenant farm, and we just want to get out of it." And um, and that's when the DST is like, "Oh my gosh, this is great." But. It's important that it's not just a fly-by-the-night discussion. It really, it's important to have a financial advisor to evaluate your portfolio to see what's the best thing to go into, and um, you know. So you, you, you're going in with your eyes wide open. Now, believe me, we have. You know, some people say, "Well, when, when's the last minute you can do a DSC?" It's like we, you know, these qualified intermediaries and financial advisors, they can do it within 24 hours of the 45-day time period, and they. There's a lot of funny stories of people like oh my gosh we got to call at the last minute and people were even at the the table to close and they realized their their uh, 1031 is going to die and so they were able to save it through a DST. So this DST is very important for your listing audience to know they got to get up to speed on it.
0: Excellent. You know, I want to kind of wrap this up by talking about 1031s in general just and and not to go too deep on this, but We've heard, you know, in the news over the past year or so, ten thirty ones have, you know, become forefront. We've started to hear, you know, the possibility of changes to ten thirty ones. So, if there is a change to the ten thirty ones, how would that impact uh, DSTs? Well, you the, the, so that
1: <laughs> you wouldn't do a DST anymore because you have the ten thirty. You have to ten thirty one into a DST. So. Um, so the the 1031 is staying in existence is is uh, you know vital to the existence of the DST. Um, a DST though, if, if they did eliminate the 1031, would be turned into an upREAT, and that's a whole other discussion. But um, but the the DST uh, would uh, is it, it's, is tied directly to the 1031. And uh, the good news is is that the the National Association of Realtors, where your clients are a part of. Um, who your listening audience, they have done such a magnificent job in defending and, and educating members of Congress about what the 1031 is all about. So much so that the House Ways and Means Committee recently put forward um, their plan to uh, in regards to taxes, and they did not include the 1031. They did not include um, eliminating stepped-up basis. And it was, you know, they didn't and they didn't double capital gains like there were some talk about. So um, so all that is good news for uh, for the 1031 universe. And it's all about educating. And boy, with uh, NAR, they have a realtor attached to every member of Congress. And they are usually personal friends with that elected official. And they're able to really um, educate these elected officials to where they understand the, the, all the very important value of why the 1031 has been in the tax code for over now 100 years. And it's such a synergistic thing in the economy that uh, more um, more tax dollars are created by having the 1031 in the code than actually getting rid of it. And it's called the juices is worth the squeeze. And so all the studies show that the 1031 generates about five to $7 billion a year in local and state taxes. And if you were to get rid of 1031 or try to cap it, it you'd only gain about two billion dollars a year for the um, for the. Uh, the treasury and, and eventually that will dissipate even more because people will just hold on to their properties. They won't sell at all. And so that just keeps going down. So the juice isn't worth the squeeze for the 1031. And I think the, all the elected officials have become aware of that. And it helps, you know, diverse communities, underserved communities. It's an economic development tool. It's important for conservation. Farmers use it all the time and the conservation groups buy from farmers and farmers are dirt rich and cash poor. That's important. Um, we uh, We have lots of uh, of different uh, groups, like the unions. They use it for their pension funds. The pension funds are invested in REITs. And REITs use the 1031 all the time to manage their portfolios. So there's there's so many different aspects of how the 1031 touches the lives of so many people in communities. 568,000 jobs a year are created because owners maintain and buyers renovate, and 1031 allows that renovation and that capital to be able to be um, moved between people in the in the free way the our economy works. And it's uh, it's really you know, a, a terrific, a, a terrific thing. And it's part of the American way. It's great.
0: Dan, this has been fascinating. I, I think I've learned all I can learn about DSTs, but not really. Um just <laughs> great. I, I'm sure there's a ton more to learn and we can probably talk for hours. So Dan, just for any of our followers, how would they contact you? Oh,
1: give me a call at 630-218-4953. That's my work. My cell phone, 630-440-7770. That's 630-440-7770. And um, I love my friends at Caldwell Banker, and it's an honor to be part of uh, of today's call with you. Um, you have a, a really good following, uh, Tom, and it's uh, it's great to be part of this today. So I feel like I've stepped up in the world that, uh, that Tom Hershey is uh,
0: interviewing me on his podcast. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Dan. And as a reminder to our listeners, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to and like the CRE with CBC Worldwide podcast on your favorite podcast.